0: Welcome to the Expert Network Team podcast, where our goal is to inform and educate our listeners on matters related to finance, legal,
1: insurance, accounting, and other interests that are of personal and business nature. We hope you will find our content useful as well as entertaining. The Expert Network Team consists of Carl Frank of AI Financial, Mike Miller of Miller and Associates CPAs, Jeff Cromendike of Security First Insurance Agency, and I'm Nathan Merrill. I'm an attorney at Goodspeed and Merrill.
0: Together, our independent team combines our expertise to provide you insights and solutions, some straightforward, some profound, for real-life opportunities we see on a daily basis. We hope you enjoy the information contained in today's podcast and find it useful. If you'd like to learn more or desire to meet with any of the Expert Network team members in person, you can contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's I-N-F-O at expertnetworkteam.com. Team.com.
1: We encourage you to take advantage of a free consultation with any of our team members. Just mention this podcast when you schedule your appointment. Now, on to today's podcast.
0: Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. I'm Carl Frank, and with me today I've got Mike Miller, CPA. How are you, Mike? Good. How are you doing, Carl? Hey, we're doing great. And Nate Merrill, how are you, Nate? I'm hanging in there. (laughs) Hanging in there. (laughs) It's the end of a long day. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Well, today we're going to get your juices flowing, Nate. This This is is one of your your favorite favorite topics. topics. It's it's giving giving away money money to causes and people you're passionate about. The government? We're talking about everybody (laughs) but the government. (laughs) Oh, I thought you
1: were uh, implying I like
0: to give money to the government. Well, I'm not saying you don't. I'm not saying you don't. Every now and then you have to, right?
1: Only if I make more. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Fair enough. But today we're going to talk about the basics. We're going to do an introduction to charitable giving. And, and you know, we, we sometimes dive into the details here in, on the Expert Network Team podcast, and I thought today we'd kind of take it up a couple levels and, and keep it really simple for folks who are thinking about charitable contributions, what we can do. And one of the ways I think about it is you can either give, and it's who you're giving it to. So you can give it to people, right, relatives, kids, family members, and, and strangers, or you could give it to entities, so, any any advice you can give us on the first part, if we want to give money away to um, our kids or our grandkids or our nieces and nephews or, or whomever it is that we want to give it, it could even be you know Nate's kids, uh, you know any strangers' kids. Any advice you can give us on giving away money to people?
1: Well, before I go into the advice, just some definitional points that we, you know we kind of talked about before going live. One is that um, a tax gift is not always given for the same motivations that a gratuitous transfer might otherwise take if you give a birthday present or something like that. You don't give birthday presents for tax purposes. You give it out of the true definition of a gift, which is detached and disinterested generosity out of love and affection. That is how the code actually defines a gift. Um, So... You can – and then charity, there's tax charity, which is charity that qualifies for an income tax deduction. And then there's charity generally, which is a desire to improve or enhance someone's s- situation. And that can that, – that is often not motivated by whether or not you get a tax quid pro quo in that um, and that there's been a lot of talk, you know, dating back even into the 2017 tax changes about whether you just do away with tax deductions altogether and just let people be generous and, you know, not make tax deductibility a motivation behind charity. But So starting at the very basics, I, I'll revert back to the birthday gift. There, there's a lot of giving we do in our lives that we don't give one thought to how it's going to be treated from a tax purpose Whether it's a state tax or whether we get a deduction from it, we—if we see an opportunity to help someone, we might just hand them over money, or pay for something for them. That—that's, you know, or 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 put some money in the little box at the checkout stand for sure. Or even even uh, GoFundMe accounts these days. That's like the the modern modern way of doing it. You don't get a tax deduction for helping out your friend from high school who got cancer, but you want to help them. Sure, of course. And that's you know that's the GoFundMe, the new the new mode of giving that way. So that's the non-taxable side of charity.
0: Yeah, and the non-taxable side, Mike. Is, is there a um, a reason we should limit how much we give for the non-tax side of, of charity that Nate was talking about, or can we just give away a million dollars right now?
2: Well, no, you can't quite give away a million dollars. There is the old uh, proverbial gift tax. Um, you can only you can only gift. Money, which is you know not not the taxable sense of, of charitable contribution, but the gifting side, up to fifteen thousand dollars per person uh, per year without having to file a gift tax return. Um, I think a gift tax return is a little beyond the conversation of this this, this it, podcast, but it is. But
0: that's, but that's a good, good rule of thumb, right? That 15, we should 000. we just don't want to bump into that
1: per donee per donor.
0: Right. So yeah. a husband and wife or two people could double that mm-hmm. to a single person. Correct. Great, so that that's on the 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 giving giving to actual 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 people, and you you know know, that that being said, said, you know there's there's no no limit on what I could give them, right? I could give them cash, I I could give give them them stocks, I I could could give give them your car, give them a car, right? All these these types types of things. Give Give them clothes, give them all the other stuff, right? That's Mm -hmm. important to know.
1: And and quite honestly, and Mike, uh, I know we have ethical duties to effectively enforce the, the code <laughs> but there's some of that stuff that, that just is never going to be tracked like you know you say you're giving someone your old workout wardrobe the irs isn't going to track that down and find out that you exceeded the limit by 30 bucks worth of workout clothes you gave to your best friend or something like well that's that. for sure so and and a lot of people don't include their birthday christmas gifts that they usually give They'll, they'll write that check at the end of the year for $15,000 to their kid as though they gave their kid nothing else throughout the year. It could be, be a risky strategy, but um, that's something to keep in mind. Is that makes sense. A lot of people don't factor into their quote-unquote gifting, which is the tax-motivated gifting, their other gifting, which is not tax-motivated, when and in reality they should be aggregated
2: together.
0: Very well said. Anything else to add on giving to a, giving to a person? The, the birthday, birthday gift.
2: gift. Yeah. Oh, that's about it. But but Nate's right on. I mean, two things. One, the IRS just doesn't have enough agents to enforce that. Two, that's not where their biggest bang for the buck is. They're not, they're not going to really pursue that too aggressively. I love
0: it. Well, Let's talk, talk about, about giving, giving to entities. Let's talk about giving to charitable organizations. What, what do we watch out for? What do we need to know? And, and, and what are the rules around um, giving to those organizations? And then, and then maybe we can talk about the tax advantages after that what do we need to do when we want to give to a charity or something we're really passionate about?
1: First, confirm they're a charity. And that can actually be done. There's not only uh, IRS resources to confirm that a charitable organization is an actual deductible type of charity. Again, if tax-motivated charitable giving is part of the equation, which I'm assuming it is for purposes of this discussion, you need to first confirm they are, in fact, uh, a charity.
0: So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like, like you are saying, I, I love the idea of giving to a charity, and part of the what I love about it are the tax benefits. What are some of the tax benefits?
1: Well, before we get to the tax benefits, I, I don't want to undersell, and, and as a tax attorney, this might sound a little odd, is the importance of, um, in my view, charitable inclinations independent of tax benefits. Like if you're if you're a religious person and you do tithing, you would do tithing irrespective of whether you got a tax deduction for it or not. And the reason why is because charity is a good thing. Charity that is done solely and strictly for the tax benefit is an exchange of value for value. It really has nothing to do with right. charity. You're essentially buying a tax deduction. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes I, when I'm dealing with clients, I actually present it that way. One way we get tax deductions is to buy one, and we buy it by giving to charity. So um, as we think about charity, we have to think about what is motivating us to do it, because that will sometimes uh, inform us as to whether we're getting value for our contribution or not. But – so now reverting back to tax-motivated charitable giving or wanting to receive that tax benefit, um, not all charities and not all types of contributions are created equal, and that's one of the things we were talking about earlier.
0: Right. What What are some some of the rules, Mike, about giving to charity? Can I just give all my money to a charity?
2: Well, no, there will be some limits. Um, You know, you can only give up to 60% of your adjusted gross income in cash right, in any given year. There's other, other requirements, you know, around whether it's property or, or stock or things like that. We won't get into the specific details uh, on this podcast, but um, there are limits. Um, and you, you certainly want, when you make the charitable contribution, you want to get that little piece of paper that says, you know, a receipt from them. Usually it doesn't look like a receipt. Usually it's, you know, Got some verbiage on it. It says, Thank you for your for your donation. It's gonna help this cause, blah, blah, blah. And down at the bottom it says, no goods or services were received in exchange for this, this donation. That's really important. You know, you don't want to be, you know, giving something and getting something because that just diminishes the value of your your donation. Great point.
1: Very good.
2: I see it a lot when people go to these events and they they buy, you know, it's for charity, you know, whatever charity that may be, and they do an auction. Yeah, and you buy something for 100 that's worth 500 and they're trying to take a $100 deduction, you, you receive something in value of $500 for your $100 contribution. You really don't have a tax deduction when that happens.
1: Now, with businesses that are doing this, just a real quick aside, you can bifurcate that partially into marketing expense and partially into charitable deduction.
2: Correct. Yeah.
1: Great. Like if you're buying a table or sponsoring... You know, a golf event right. or something like that.
0: Yep. Yeah. So now, right. now we've got the idea of what we got to do for entities. We got some of the limits here. What are some of the tax advantages that a person gets by, by making a charitable donation?
1: Well, initiative? let's before we move on to that, let's uh, let's distinguish a little bit the entity types. So you have direct to charity. So that's like giving to your church, giving to Salvation Army, giving to the Red Cross, whatever. Those that's directly giving to the charity. Then there's a concept called a community foundation, which often is, I mean, the the most common vehicle by which that is done is through a donor advised fund. But you can actually give to just general community foundations, just 501c3s that are very broad in their purpose and and scope. But um, like Denver Foundation is one of those. But then they also have structures attached to them called donor advised funds, which is like a gift to that charity that then agrees to give your money away to someone else at your recommendation at some later point in time. So it's like giving now with a deferred end recipient. The death. And then there's private charities or uh, private foundations, which are treated a little differently. Those are, you know, more advanced planning usually. But you can find find yourself wanting to give to a private foundation – that has a very limited focus that might be funded through, like, a concentrated gift from a family or something like that. And those have special tax rules if they're not broadly supported by the general public. So a private foundation can be viewed a little bit differently from a, a recipient standpoint. So with that, I uh, turn it back to your question. Yeah, that's a great, great how point. To give that, to those. And,
0: there, and, and, Mike, I there are limits to limits how much you can give to each of those different types, like the, the, the private foundation, foundation, right, from a tax planning standpoint. yeah, you I, want I to know yeah. those rules.
2: Yeah, like I said, the cash—the cash piece. If you're giving cash, there's a limit of sixty percent of adjusted gross income. If you're giving to a private foundation, as, as Nate referred to, it's usually limited to thirty percent of your adjusted gross income.
0: So you don't want to make a mistake there, right? Correct. Right. So, so, so the tax advantages of giving—I mean, it, it, it's a pretty big incentive, isn't it? Like you're saying, I mean, there's something here that that everybody wants to know about giving away money to to. Uh, five Mike, I mean,
1: there used to be more than it is now. Under the 2017 rules with the standard deduction or whatever it is, the exemption so high, you don't find as many people itemizing anymore, depending on how charitable they are. But that's still available for big givers to go to the itemized phase, right?
2: Right. Yep. I, I'll have several clients who don't have a mortgage, right? And they, so they don't get the big mortgage interest deduction and they have the the, the 10000 cap on the SALT portion of their itemized deductions and then they just donate a whole bunch of money to charity or non-cash items you know goodwill things like that to get over that hump of the the 24,800 standard deduction so yeah it's still it's still a powerful tool
1: but this goes back to my point on being charitably inclined does not always equate to a tax benefit because if you're that 24,800 couple and you don't have a mortgage payment and you don't give $24,000 away you may give $10,000 away you're not getting a tax deduction for that $10,000 cuz it doesn't go into the itemized itemizing. category yeah, but you well, still te- but
2: again you're giving for the right reasons at that point which is charity
0: which is a great reason to get- technically
2: you are getting a deduction you're getting the higher standard deduction right mm-hmm. but you're not you're not getting the real you know here's my $10,000 I get an extra $10,000 deduction but You're not getting getting some benefit from the standard deduction. Right,
1: but it's not a, I guess, a charitably induced benefit.
0: Correct. Yeah. And again, an advanced topic, but that's what some people are doing with charitable clumping where they'll lump their contributions all into a single year to itemize for that single year, right? put them over the limit, and then skip a year. And
1: that's where DAFs come in really handy because if you're making a large contribution one year, but you don't want to go all in that year using a DAF to suspend some of the delivery of that to your charity until later years is good. So
0: that's a special topic, the DAF. Anybody want to spend two minutes and just give the basic what introduction to a donor-advised fund?
2: We're calling it a DAF. I'm going to defer to Nate on that one. Right. I don't have any clients using DAFs. <laughs> so
1: I think a DAF is attractive for a couple of reasons. One I just said, which is you can give a large amount at one point in time and defer the charity's ultimate receipt of that. So I have some clients that will use it for, like you say, clumping things like tithing so that they can itemize their tithing. They'll pay a bunch of it into the DAF in a single year and then parse it out over two to three years um, of actual tithe on their income. The other nice feature of a lot of DAFs, most DAFs, is going to be an investment return allocation. So you put it into the DAF, and it's not just sitting in cash. You can allocate it to an investment portfolio measure and get investment return in that account. So if you put a hundred thousand in and it grows fifty thousand, you now have one hundred fifty thousand to give away as opposed Woo-hoo. to just a hundred, right? You don't get any more deduction for that additional. But I'm also profit. not taxed on that gain. You're not taxed on the gain, and it right. just makes you feel all that much better you to, be sure able to give away one hundred and fifty. The DAF
0: is a great middle of the road plan on this spectrum of complexity to simplicity. And on big gifts to small gifts, the DAF accomplishes. And a it can lot.
1: be leveraged another way. And this is one that I'm really actually I get really excited about, which is most of these DAF platforms. Again, they have some um, infrastructure around them that helps you investigate charities, um, like that they aggregate financial information and performance of these charities, and and also tools that help to integrate your family into giving so if you're a grandparent that has a you know you want to set up a giving strategy for your broader family you can get your grandchildren involved in researching and recommending gifts and gets them excited about being charitably inclined as well and, and it's all built on their platform so that the kids can have their own logins and you know manage their own separate giving allocations and accounts different platforms have more robust or less robust but that, that's another way to leverage that type of um, giving structures using the technology to, to create a legacy, a family legacy of giving.
0: I love it. Thinking about becoming charitable, this is a team for you. Okay, so what are some of the estate advantages? Anything you can think of there? After I pass away, if I've, if I've got um, gifts that I want to make, sometimes people wait until... Uh, they're not here to make a big gift. Any, any planning ideas or just big picture introduction to think about uh, making a charity a beneficiary of my estate?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly just focus on one. I mean, when, it, when you get into the taxable estate category, and we never know always where that's going to end up, but if you're fortunate enough to have a taxable estate, anything left to a charity just reduces your overall exposure to tax at the estate tax level. The more practical component of it is um, you don't need the money anymore. <laughs> so, and, if, and if you feel you've set your family up well enough and you, you want to be generous with your alma mater, your church, again, those same type of things come into play, it's just a nice way to kind of purge those last few dollars and cents out of your legacy and, and have it do some good.
0: Fantastic. Well, Mike, right before we started, you had some great, great insights into one of the things that you see with almost every single one of your tax itemizers, and that's itemizers, and that's non-cash donations to charity. You want, you want to give us some good advice about that and some of the things you've seen and, and you'd like to not see again?
2: Yeah, sure. So so from the non-cash perspective, we're talking about taking you know, items that you have over to a goodwill or an arc or a habitat for humanity or something like that. So that's a, that's a, a nonprofit, you know, 50, 503 C. Um, what's recently come up in the tax court cases is if you donate anything to charity, that's, that's not cash, obviously that is $5,000 or more, you're technically supposed to have it appraised. So when we file your tax return, if you're itemizing, you, you know, you're not going to take the deduction if you're not itemizing, but assuming you're itemizing and you take that $5,000 deduction, you need to attach the appraisal to the tax return. Uh, Tax software packages nowadays won't even let you file the return unless it's attached. If that contribution, a single contribution is over $5,000. So if you're putting together, you know, 20 bags of clothes and you're going to claim $15,000 worth of deduction, right. For those clothes um, you're going to have to have it appraised. And so what some of my clever clients have done is they've gone out and they've made like seven drop-offs at Goodwill and claimed $3,000 per drop-off for whatever they're dropping off. Well, the tax courts kind of come back and said, you know what, we're going to um, aggregate those contributions since you had seven of them and they were $3,000. We're going to make the assumption as a tax court that you should have known you are going to contribute all that and you should have gotten a praise and you would have known that it was over $5,000. And the tax court, that's the IRS's position. And the tax court has actually come back and sided with the IRS on that. So it's, it's not real practical now to go make a whole bunch of contributions and checking and claim one big number so that you can itemize and get the benefit. It's a risk. And the IRS is looking for that.
0: Thanks Mike. That's great. And then it, you had also mentioned one thing. Uh, do people tend to over? report or exaggerate their donations or the opposite
2: the opposite they they tend to undervalue what they're what they're giving again my creative ones get really creative and and, and have nice prices and then the other ones are you know they may give something that's two thousand dollars you know in aggregate whatever they may give to goodwill and they're only putting down two hundred dollars so you really should do some research to say, what's the value of this? If, if I contributed to charity, what could I deduct rather than just kind of guessing spend a little bit of time um, and investigate what the value of that item is that it would go for a charity and take the higher deduction, no risk in doing that. So long as you, you can substantiate where you took your position at, but a lot of these, these charities have, you know, they list out if you donate this and it's good in good condition, here's, here's about what you can take. And I think there's also other publications out there that kind of expand on that to say, well, if you if you you know contribute a Tommy Bahama shirt that's in great condition, you know maybe it's sixty dollars instead of five, right? And you have hard hard backup documentation to say this is where I came up with my valuation. Great advice.
0: Party thoughts?
1: I now know what kind of shirt to get Mike for Christmas. <laughs> I would not have pulled Tommy Bahama out of my closet but apparently uh,
0: I was thinking <laughs> nylon I love my Tommy
2: shirt. <laughs>
0: neon pink <Nice.
2: laughs>
0: well guys this was great conversation great introduction to charity for clients and, and friends and family thinking about becoming charitable um, I hope you found this of use well I really appreciate your time today and your expertise Nate Mike Create a beautiful day thank you sir thank you Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the information we shared.
2: If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with someone else. And join us next time. If you want to meet with a member of the team, please contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's info at expertnetworkteam.com.
1: If you have special topics you'd like to hear about, Please reach out to us and let us know at the same email address. Again, that's info at expertnetworkteam.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We want to remind you that listening to this podcast does not establish a client-professional relationship with any of the firm's represented, nor does it constitute legal, investment, or accounting advice, and the views are those of the professionals only.
0: Investment advisory services may be provided through ANI Financial Services, and securities may be provided through Genios Wealth Management.